0: For whatever reason, the globalist powers that be love to tell us their plans in mass media before their work to realize their agendas. This could be to groom our collective unconscious to more easily actualize their plans. Others theorize it's to get our collective tacit approval of their agenda so they can skirt the laws of karma. There are many examples of them doing this. One can find symbolic references to 9-11 littered amongst mass media in the months and years before that event. Narratives quite similar to the COVID scandemic existed years before that op was pulled. Just look at the 2011 movie, Contagion. Eerie how prophetic that movie was, maybe by design. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's overt. Whatever their intention is behind hiding the truth in plain sight, within the last few months, we've seen what looks like preparations by these elites to wage cyber warfare against the human population. Just a few months before COVID kicked off in 2020, the World Economic Forum held what they called Event 201 in New York. As per their words, it was a, quote, live simulation exercise to prepare public and private leaders for pandemic response. Oh, really? Earlier this year at their meeting in Davos, Switzerland, one of the WEF's main topics was, quote, warning of global instability could lead to catastrophic cyber event. Good old predictive programming. Instead of instability leading to cyber events, it's more likely that they want a catastrophic cyber event leading to global instability. Switch that around. To discuss the possibility of a cyber attack being waged against the public by the elites, I brought on cyber warfare expert Steve Murray, a retired lieutenant colonel, to discuss the likelihood of such a false flag attack, what it would look like, and how to prepare for such an attack. He's had extensive experience in the army with cyber warfare and how to keep the bad guys out of our digital infrastructure. As always, you can support this podcast by subscribing on Locals, Subscribestar, or Substack. Links for those platforms will be down below. Your help is what keeps these shows going. This is episode 17 of the Conspiracy Analytica podcast, Cyber Attack Defense, with retired Lieutenant Colonel Steve Murray. How's it going, brother?
1: I'm good, brother. How are you? Long time no see.
0: Long time no see. Glad to have you back on here. Uh, I wanted to get you on to pick your brain, because your expertise is in information warfare, cyber warfare, and we've got a lot of talk right now about uh, cyber attacks coming from which way and the other. A lot of predictive programming, fear porn going on. You had that Obama-produced Netflix movie, Leave the World Behind, where a big cyber attack takes down America. So... I just wanted to get your thoughts. A lot to work through with this conversation. First of all, what's the feasibility of a cyber attack? What do you think the... the How much of a possibility do you think of it taking place? And who would be the main player behind it? And, and would it be a false flag in your eyes? Possibility of it.
1: Uh, I think the probability is very high. The possibility is very high. If you... If you take a step back from the narratives that are out there now, and you're right, the movie Leave the World Behind was predictive programming. It was it was designed to raise the fear factor. And I mean, get away from the fact that it was filled with anti American, anti male, you know, leftist tropes, which is classic Obama. That part, um, the movie didn't do well, but the movie did some very, very um some some things very very well like case in point we're seeing i'm seeing across the the spectrum right now in the in the cyber world and and i just a level set so everybody understands my background i've been in cyber defense for the past 10, ten years since i left the military i was in cyber exploitation cyber attack to start with and moved to cyber defense and worked for the, for the uh, army cert as well as ran uh, the advanced network operations team which did a variety of uh, advanced persistent threat analysis as as well as kicking bad guys out of our networks. So I've seen a variety of attacks. And what we're seeing across the spectrum right now, just in the the healthcare space, is uh, a campaign of ransomware attacks across all of healthcare. And specifically, they're harvesting PHI, personal health information. So we're already seeing an uptick in... Um, ransomware attacks and social engineering. And if, for, for those of you who don't know what social engineering is, it's basically a, an email, a text message, or a phone call where somebody tries to gain your trust to harvest information from you. And we've seen an uptick in that just in the last two years across the spectrum in every industry. But I think the likelihood of a major attack across the country is far higher than an EMP, a nuclear attack, or anything in that uh, genre because it's too destructive. And if you look at what China's doing right now, China's infiltrating 12,000 military-aged males a day. 12,000.
0: Coming across the southern 000, border.
1: Every day. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and so I talk to Michael Yan on a regular basis. He and I trade text messages. We trade um, uh, emails all day long. And he's been in the Darien Gap, and he says that from 600,000 to a million by January, coming across the border every single month, that's a significant amount of people coming into the country. So they don't need to EMPS, but they do need to take us offline and shut down comms, shut down infrastructure, shut down the uh, the power grid, et cetera. And the way I think it'll develop is it will. they'll take the power grid down. Then they'll take logistics down, trains, movement, et cetera. And then finally, they'll take water and the rest down. And you, you've you already alluded to the fact that they're going after water. They're going after food. Bill Gates is buying food production and and farming around uh, around the U.S. So if I was to guess, I would say it would be a massive cyber attack across the spectrum, that would take all critical services offline within a matter of hours because it won't happen all at once. It's not like you flip a switch and it, it all goes down. It, it has to do, essentially, the way, let's say, a denial of service attack works. When you do a distributed denial of service, you hit key information transportation nodes, so key data centers, key hubs, and you take those offline, which downstream affects everybody downstream. The same thing will happen here they'll take major power grids down through the major hubs in what's called a SCADA system and a SCADA system is essentially it's a it's a um a server that controls either power servos pump stations pump servos train switching etc and they'll take down critical SCADA systems across the U.S. to restrict movement That'll, that'll take a few hours to do. And if you've lived through a ransomware attack, the way ransomware works is it takes over part of your network. Stuff starts to work really slowly or doesn't work at all. And then the rest of it starts to go methodically over the next hour or two. And then pretty soon you can't access anything. That's how I see it developing. And the, the, key, the key culprit in this, our own government. Because if you take um, a look at the movie, What's the one thing they're trying to propagate right now through all of these different narratives? Civil war, race war, race riots. So they need to build the fear factor before the 2024 election. They need to build the race war before 2024 and they need a civil war. Why do they need a civil war? To justify martial law. That's what they need. If you you really want to dig down the rabbit hole Look at event two oh one. They did event two oh one in September of twenty nineteen, and then by March we were in lockdowns for COVID. We just did the the movie release in December, so that puts us May, June, probably somewhere between March and June is when the attack will happen. But here's the thing: I don't think it's fully baked. I don't think it's it's fully, they're they fully committed to it. I think it's a it's an event that they'll they'll put in lieu of other events that they want to try and drive us to. Because look, they get more bang for the buck and more fear when there's widespread coverage of specific events and there's widespread social media coverage of specific events. That's where the fear factor comes in. If you look at the way they played COVID It was a slow trickle January, February, and then March was this major disclosure hey, we've got this massive pandemic. Don't touch anything. Don't go anywhere, et cetera. And you watched all the fear factor ramp up from there. I see them doing the same thing.
0: I just want to interject here for a moment. I got a lot of questions. We'll kind of go point by point through this. Go for it. Um, First of all, I remember when WikiLeaks dropped their Vault 7 releases back in 2017. And they showed that the CIA has hacking technology whereby they can basically put a digital fingerprint on a hack to make it look like it was somebody else that accessed the network instead of the CIA. So it's more than that they can yeah, so I know just...
1: I know the guy who wrote some of this software. they can put a digital fingerprint on it and they can spoof the IP so it looks like the attack's coming from Iran, but it's really in the same building. It could be in the it could be in the computer next to you. Exactly. So, my question is somewhere else.
0: So, my question is do you find it more likely it could be one, the other, or both? Do you think it would be some rogue intelligence outfit or the deep state hacking, blaming it on China, Iran as a false flag? Do you think China and Iran really are the culprits hacking our networks, or is it a little bit of both?
1: I think so. The short answer is yes to all of that got it the 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 bigger let me let me distill it down so it makes more sense so china's been in our networks for the past 10 years i I was kicking yeah. yeah i've been kicking china out of our network since 2006 2007 the same with russia but here's the difference in the hacking abilities the chinese are are they're basically bulls at a china shop they'll break the door down they'll steal what they want and then they get out the russians the czechs and, and some of the other Eastern blocks, they're very, very quiet. They'll come in and infiltrate your network, and then they turn the volume up on the way out to let you know they were there after they've taken everything that they want. So that there's differences in the way that they operate. In this case, there's there's attacks going on all the time. It's just a part of the information space. But is it plausible and plausible for the CIA or rogue elements? I at this point, I think the intelligence agencies are compromised. The intelligence agencies are working with the Obama administration and probably China and other intelligence agencies. And they're, they're planning this across the globe. This is not just going to happen here. This will happen in the U.S. and probably in Europe, too. Because what's the end state they want to reach? They want a social scoring system with these digital passports enabled in order for you to participate in society and a digital currency. What's the best way to do that to roll out a central bank digital currency? You take everybody offline, you reset everything, and you start over. So I would think that this would be the intelligence agencies in in conjunction with um, the bankers and the elite to pull this off. At least from the information I'm seeing and the narratives I'm seeing, that sure is what it looks like.
0: Yeah, you really got to look at this from a multinational perspective perspective really it's not really one nation against the other it's this controlling group trying to play this global game of risk and they're controlling groups within each nation trying to pit them all against each other so another question
1: i think there's another piece to that too that people should be watching for so in this great reset that they're talking about there's going to be people with a seat at the table and elites without a seat at the table Look at Jamie Dimon. What was Jamie Dimon saying last fall? We're a bank. We're not doing ESG. We're not going to sign up for this 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 um, global governance council. That's not what we're doing. But that's exactly what he's doing. It is now. And why is that? Because in March of this year, they he signed a deal to get out from under the Epstein charges and the Epstein scrutiny through Morgan Stanley. And now, all of a sudden, he's toting all of these these different um, initiatives, like we need to get rid of cryptocurrency. Everybody has to have a digital ID. I would do away with private ownership. All that's right out of the the Davos crowd, right? So he made a deal for a seat at the table to get out from under the Epstein charges, and now he's toting the line. We're seeing these these loose coalitions and marriages of convenience all coming together and coalescing into one picture. But ultimately... I don't see them being successful because there's too many people now that are awake to what they're doing and see clearly what the, the end state is they're trying to reach. Oh my God. Are we
0: getting hope from Steve?
1: We are. And I say that not because, not because I'm, you know, I'm drinking or stirring the hopium Kool-Aid with my elbow.
0: That's my favorite though. I love the hopium.
1: I know, but I'm, here's what I'm seeing. So, the Alex Jones disclosure back in October when he he outed the plans to bring, that, bring back the mask mandates and the COVID lockdowns, that was a highly effective counter operation that disrupted all of their operations last fall. So we would be in an ideal state, according to the, the Davos crowd, we would be back in COVID lockdowns right now. Get away from blue cities where people were back in masks and double masks and they're they're back to stupidity. We would have been nationwide back to lockdowns. And that was disrupted because of the alternative media. And I see that continuing to happen on a number of different issues. Like they keep trying to bury the COVID adverse effects from the vaccines. They keep trying to bury and it keeps coming back up to the top of the news stack and they keep having to suppress it. Every time we disrupt their operations, it pushes their timeline farther and farther out. Now, the machine is still going to go forward no matter what we do. But the more people that are waking up to us, and this is why I say this, because I was in Seattle, the epicenter of stupid um, over Thanksgiving, and I was amazed at the number of people that I hadn't talked to in years that were all starting to approach me and ask me questions about, is it true that these vaccines are toxic? Well, I'm not a doctor, so I can't answer that question, but I will tell you what I've seen. And the conversation evolved from there. But here's the here's the The secret sauce and all that. The secret sauce is every single one of them said to me, and I talked to probably 30 people in the Seattle area that I hadn't talked to in almost two years, three years. They all said the same thing. There's something big coming. Everybody can feel it. We don't know what it is, and we don't know where to go for information. That's a massive statement from a liberal that's been buried in the narrative for the last 3 years. It means that a portion of that whole society somewhere in the middle is starting to realize that this, they've been under this cognitive dissonance for the last 3 years and they're starting to look for ways to find information that's not mainstream. That's that, a could huge be, shift.
0: that could be 100 million people right there that are looking that are either apolitical or more towards the left or independent or centrist they're looking for sources of information So we show them where the sources of information are. And the hive mind on social media is incredible right now. I mean, you get a news story that comes out, like, for instance, the Leave the World Behind movie that went viral last week, or or I think the UK Deputy Prime Minister was warning the country about a cyber attack. It just goes viral within a few hours. And people pick up on the narrative that they're trying to implant in the collective consciousness, and they say, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, we see that bullshit. We see that bullshit. So, yeah, man. It's,
1: it's It's more and more people are waking up to it. And and the, the piece that's, this is the piece that uh, most people haven't picked up on is, and I know you've picked up on this, and you've been around me long enough to know, this is not shit that I say on a normal basis. But right around October or November, you could feel the social consciousness shift away from their narratives. You could just feel it and now and, and a lot of it started with this ukraine draft conversation that that was you know floating around september october and the social consciousness shifted away from that concept right around the time the uh, hamas um, israeli thing kicked off and now you've really seen that accelerate and it's because people are fatigued with war they're fatigued with that narrative and so i'm seeing I'm seeing the fact that all these people are starting to look for alternative sources of information and it's shifting away from their key narratives because they they need us to to buy into this in order to get the control of the 8 billion people on this planet. And more and more people are saying, I didn't elect you. I'm not going to follow you. I don't know why you're still alive because you killed so many people. I'm hearing that more and more and more. And that is a, that is a huge paradigm shift from a year ago. And you know me well enough to know I don't say shit like that lightly, right? I, I say it because I'm seeing the shift in, the, and I'm I've got my, you know, fingers on the pulse of what's being pushed in the narrative, what's garbage, what's real, what's not real, who the players are, and I've seen a discerning shift in the narrative over the last twelve to fifteen months.
0: Yeah, and that's it, why. That's it, why. It, sorry to. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: That's why I'm saying that it's not this cyber attack isn't fully baked. That's why I'm saying that.
0: Yeah, it looks like it's an option that they're kind of prepping, planning, doing the testing the waters for by putting these little stories out there, seeing how the public's going to react. And oh shit, the public reacts did too much to this one. Now we got to shift our plans and adjust the game board. But the fact that so many people are waking up and going on social media and this hive mind is so tough right now, it does. It does concern me or make me skeptical that they're going to be activating a lot of uh, controlled opposition shills to plant into the alternative media, and I mean, well, it's AI.
1: It. It's AI now, so they've got. I think so, it'll be
0: AI coupled with human narrative pushers, where you, both in concert. I I don't
1: disagree with that. I yeah. I, I every so. I do a round table every Wednesday night and uh, you should definitely be on it because I think your perspective would be very welcome. What do you doing but, on? Uh, we, so it's myself. Um, I've got Troop, who's one of my, who's, he, what, what's the best way to say this. I've got another Lieutenant Colonel. I've got Troop. And then I've also got Matt Bracken that will sit in every so often. And we discuss the current narratives that are sitting there and the current topics. For the Where, week. what platform? Uh, I do it on Rumble.
0: I okay, do a live cool.
1: feed on Rumble. Gotcha. Um, anyway, I'd love to have you on because your, your perspective on a lot of these things is very, very. Um, it, it's it's a good counter for some of the things that we talked to. But suffice it to say that one of the one of the things that we've been talking through for the last couple of, uh, of months really is this sh- this shift towards flooding the system with garbage gauging the public response and the, and the public backlash and then altering their plans and assume that they're probably two years ahead of us and they've war gamed everything to the point where they know what point counterpoint is. But I said it almost a year ago on my sit rep, they've lost the cultural narrative and they're, they're, they're I don't want to say they're flailing to get the cultural narrative back, but they need a catalyst event to justify taking back social media and taking control. I I'm not one of those people that believes that Elon Musk is the savior of free speech. I think Musk has a vested interest in Twitter. I think he's got a vested interest in social media because he owns one of the biggest satellite um, internet companies around the globe and it's funded by the U S government. So for him, there's an end state to this, but that aside, his move into Twitter, which by all means he should be in prison for the way that it was publicly disclosed disclosed before the deal was done. Get away from that and you realize that Twitter's narrative has changed away from this liberal, what he called a mind virus, which I completely agree with. He called it the mind virus. The mind virus was planted under Jack Dorsey and through the groupthink. And you just said it, the groupthink is out there and it's very, very pervasive right now. And there's there's a a million narratives that they flood the system with. From I think both sides,
0: what... both sides of the political spectrum are getting hit with the group think. Agree. Yeah. And what what I what
1: I think is going on is they think that they can't get the cultural narrative back. So one of the things you do in the information space when you know you're not going to get the narrative back is you flood it with garbage to confuse everyone, even mm-hmm. your enemy. So you confuse them with garbage so they don't know which way to react to or which information to react to, and it disrupts and creates this fog of war. I think that's exactly what they're doing right now. And I think this movie can either be a massive distraction or it can be predictive programming. I think it's a little bit of both because I don't think it's completely baked yet, and I think they did it just to gauge what the public hysteria would be. And the public was like, okay, whatever. Let's do it. Let's get on with it.
0: Let's talk a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit more about cyber attacks. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about AI. So you were mentioning, we were talking about the predictive programming. You said how the World Economic Forum did their event 201, like three or four months before COVID really kicked off. And we just saw the Netflix movie come out a few weeks ago. It was like 10 months ago. It was in, in Davos. Earlier this year in January, where the World Economic Forum, one of their main priorities was warning the world about cyber attacks. So they've actually been prepping this for a while. So looks like sometime soon, if they're going to pull that card, if they're going to well, bake, bake that cookie and give it to us, could come soon. Um, so you were describing how it would kind of be a slower rollout, like it might it might take a few months. It wouldn't just all be at once. They would do a little bit here, a little bit there. I was what I
1: was saying to cl- just to clarify that if they rolled out a massive cyber attack it, you wouldn't see it all across the country all at the same time it would take several hours for the whole country to go down do it you think do you think oh. they
0: would hit one city or one piece of infrastructure kind of let the news fan the flames of that one then hit another or how like how would it go down how would we see the beginning stages of it if we even would i guess I think the scenario
1: is is less important than what your reaction to it is and planning for it. Assume that they've they've already so when Klaus Schwab first talked about the cyber storms and the cyber pandemics that was last last year and he said it would happen somewhere in the summertime never happened. and never happened because I think it was garbage just to propagate the system but assume they have the capability to do it. Because it's it can be done with AI, it can be done with an algorithm, it can be done with a lot of different um, technologies that a nation state would have the resources to put together. Assume that it's going to happen. Assume at some point, maybe not this month or next month, that some point is going to happen. And if they take down a major city or multiple major cities, then you should start to pivot and react and not worry about what the next follow-on is. Assume your stuff's going to go down. Assume that your your bank's gonna go down. Assume that you're going to lose power at some point. That way you're not wrapped up in, okay, well, these guys are going next trying to figure it out, right? You, one thing you learn in the in the cyber business is that you don't war game what the enemy's gonna do. You react to their you react to what they can do and you pivot off of what you see in the network. Because there's all kinds of ambiguity about any attack. And, and I'll give you a case in point. There was an attack that was done way back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and it affected a hundred or two hundred fifty thousand endpoints across the planet. And it was essentially a piece Is that of Stuxnet. Software. No, Stuxnet was different. That that was a that was an attack against a very specific Philips controller that controlled the centrifuge, the centrifuges oh, that's right, that's that, right. that enriched uranium. That was a very very different attack. Did Stuxnet Although-
0: come from that Israeli unit?
1: Yeah, and it pisses me off that I didn't think of it because that was one of the most brilliant attacks I've ever seen in my life. And I would have loved to shamelessly take credit for that. But that said, um, this was an attack where a piece of malware was uploaded into a machine and it sat dormant and then it started to scan the network and then it started to um, map the network and then it started to exfiltrate the network endpoints that it could identify. And that's that's how... Um, we caught it in the first place, but the the interesting part of that that software was not all the indications showed up across all these these different um, countries all at the same time. It took several hours for that to happen, but we could see it progress and we could see where it was going next. So we were pivoting, trying to get ahead of it. Then we realized we can't get ahead of it because every time we would take a you know uh, an action, it had already figured out what those actions would be in the first couple of endpoints and um, network boundaries that it hit, So after that, it was just a matter of how fast can it propagate across. So my point of saying that is there's a lot of ambiguity that happens with any kind of an attack. And what people should be very, very mindful of is the fact that you're going to be disoriented because there's going to be a bunch of different types of reporting and information Or no information at all, and things will just stop working.
0: Yeah, what if they hit our social media platforms or something like that? There might be a complete information blackout. So then
1: you move to something more archaic, like radio. Most people don't even own a radio; they don't even. Oh, I love my Baofeng, bro. Well, there's that too, right? So you got GMRS, you got FRS, you got UHF, you've got VHF. Most people don't even know what that is, right? But my point of saying all that is you're going to be disoriented and it's better to react to what you can see and what you can prove versus what you hear, because I don't believe anything I hear. I start with the premise that everything I see in the news and alternative media is complete BS and then work my way back to find the truth. And it's going to be the same situation. And the advice I can give people is in every cyber attack that I've dealt with, and I've dealt with many in my career, Every single time you get initial indications of something, you have no idea what it is. You get all this weird status, you get all these weird indications, and you have to make sense of it and then prioritize where it's coming from and then stop the bleeding. In this case, it's the same thing. You're going to get a bunch of weird status, it's going to happen in a bunch of different places or one specific place, and then start happening everywhere else. And your your choice is, do I get wrapped up in what they want me to do, which is emotionally respond to the event, or do I start accepting the fact that we're under attack and now it's time to make decisions. Cause that's what I'm going to
0: do. I'm going to, you know, I, it, you have the, to prep beforehand. I mean, you've got to have an emergency plan that you talk to with your family about a plan to either bug into your location or bug out somewhere, find maybe a place to go if you need to, if you need to heat your home, have some stuff to be able to do that off grid. If you need, you know, a few days worth of food or, or in a, have, find a water source around you that you can get if you don't have your pipes working for a day or two, things like that. Let's get to that.
1: Let's let's talk about information first because I think people don't know what to do to protect their information. Let's talk about that and then we'll talk about prepping for the worst. Okay. The the first thing that people need to do is everybody's got a mix of data on their personal personal equipment and a mix of data in the cloud and a mix of data on hard drives probably around their house. And then their cars are wired, their appliances are wired, their TVs are wired. If they have smart systems in their home, this is the way to look at this. Assume if you have anything smart in your house, it's going to be compromised because this this attack will be that sophisticated. They will be able to touch everything in your house, every piece of equipment, and maybe they can't take it off, turn it off. But they can take it offline. So do not
0: to... buy smart devices. Who needs yeah. a freaking smart You'd microwave?
1: You'd be surprised. But here's the here's the part that I want to zero in on though. If you have information in the cloud, go get a hard drive and back it up to a hard drive. You can never have enough backups in your house. Yep. And then put that back up somewhere safe in a metal in a metal crate somewhere and just leave it alone with the critical data you have, your birth certificate, all that information you have online. And I'll give you some idea how long this is going to take you. I had 121 gigabytes of data on Google Cloud for years and didn't touch it. It took me two and a half weeks to get it all out of the cloud, to collate it, to delete it all, and to to get it down to the point where I could put it on a hard drive, back it up and put it somewhere safe. And now it's have,
0: absolutely worth it. I don't touch the cloud at all. Apple constantly asks me to connect to it. Nope, nope, nope. I I don't think I've ever done the cloud anything. I have. Uh, I've been on the cloud for
1: so long it's sounding funny. But
0: <sighs> my point is find your data, man. Back it all, back it all up
1: to a hard drive. Yep you can buy hard drives for less than 100 dollars now for you know one or two terabytes that's plenty of storage space and you can get a solid state drive and then throw it in a throw it in a safe place and you leave it Have a it backup there. for your backup. Yep, and then the other thing too is you want to have a laptop that or a, or desktop that is completely disconnected and, and unwired from the rest of the internet. And all of the communication, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, et cetera, turned off. So you have a, a backup source just in case your your primary is compromised. And I can tell you that when your machine is compromised, you're gonna you're gonna take it to original media if it's not firmware, or you're just gonna throw it away. And I'll tell you if if this actually happens, let's say this leave the world behind scenario happens the first thing you should do is turn your phone off and throw it in a river and or throw it in a garbage can and walk away from it. Because I'm going to shoot mine. If this actually happens, the, what's going to follow that is a social scoring system where you get a QR code and they want you and mandate you to have a phone. And I can tell you that I'm not going to sign up for that. And I can also tell you that if you if you have a phone during some kind of a contingency like that, all it is is a GPS target for a bomb to hit. So throw it away and walk away from it. Go back to regular old you know, radio comms and do like the rest of us do and use a call sign and
0: start Make talking. Make smoke signals great again.
1: Yeah. So that's that's the first thing you can do. The other piece, too, is a lot of people have brand new cars that are wired with wireless. I have a brand new car in my driveway right now. And I can tell you that even though I've turned the Wi-Fi off in it, I've turned off every bit of communication with Ford. If they want to reach it and touch it, they can. Literally, you have to go pull the fuse so the comms in the vehicles don't work anymore. And you're going to sacrifice some of the features of the car, probably remote start or one of the other features that goes along with that. But let me ask you a question. How hard is it to use the key to open the door of your car so you have running transportation if this actually does come to pass?
0: Yeah, I have a old school put the key in the ignition, turn the key, vehicle. I don't have a push to start or anything like that. I specifically got a model a few years older cuz I didn't want all that all those extra gizmos and gadgets in it. And I have not yet connected any apps to it or my phone via Bluetooth. I do not use Bluetooth in my car because cars scrub a lot of data and there's very little oversight as to where that data goes with car manufacturers. Zero,
1: zero, so- zero oversight. Your terms of service, and that's the other thing. I don't know if everybody caught it over the last two to three months. Every online service has updated their terms of service in the last three months. Mm. Every single one of them. I I
0: have been noticing that. I've gotten some emails and notices on some of the apps, and that's all new terms of service that, of course, nobody reads.
1: It's because the FCC just handed over control of all of these different platforms to the U.S. government for not only censorship, but the ability to shut it down. So they're updating their terms of service to say, if there's an outage that's conducted by the U.S. government, we essentially are not liable. I mean, there's a host of other language in there, but that was one of the pieces of language that I saw in there that I thought was very peculiar. So where I'm going with all of this is that you would be surprised how many pieces of equipment you have in your life that are wired to the internet or wired to a manufacturer or wired to a car company. And if you have a brand new car, go out there and turn off absolutely everything. I was out there this morning trying to figure out which breaker in the truck to pull out so the damn thing isn't talking via wireless. Because through through the Ford app, I can literally tell you how many miles are on the car, where the car is parked, when the last time it was run, how much gas is in it, all of that while it's
0: turned off that's how much communication is going from the car all the time it's a ford i think i pegged you for a toyota prius kind of guy
1: Nah, i'm a ford dude man (laughs) i've been a ford dude forever i've got an old bronco a new bronco and i'm a ford guy
0: dude we need to get we need to get back to basics we need to get back to old school all this technology just hurts my brain and it hurts my soul Let's
1: let's talk AI for a second. Okay, let's get to AI. Because I went to a conference um, in October on specifically on AI and AI training AI, and here's what I can tell you. Within three minutes, I was able to tell Chat GPT, "Go scrape the page for my company, grab all the colors, and grab all the HTML." Then craft a page that will harvest people's social security number, their name, their date of birth, their address, and whether they own their house or not, and then create the page. Three minutes, it created the code and created the page.
0: Yeah, that's another tip for people. If you get some random email, I get them from people trying to look like PayPal all the time, and it says you're being invoiced for $400 click this to pay or click this to review the transaction. They're just trying to harvest data. So if you're getting emails from weird places or things, you have no idea what it is. Don't click on it. Don't do anything. Ignore it.
1: All those. So those happen all the time. The the ones I love the best are here's your invoice for Norton antivirus. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I I don't use Norton antivirus. Nice try. But You'd be surprised how many people call the number to figure out why they got that. And that's mm-hmm. the whole point get you on the phone, the social engineering. But the interesting thing that uh, most people take for granted is how connected they are. And you don't realize how much AI is in your life. Now, imagine the coolest technology in the world in the hands of your arch enemy, or worse in the hands of an AI that's been trained to be biased towards one political view or another. And right now you have three chat platforms that are being trained by the public without any oversight, any guardrails, or any boundaries. ChatGPT, the Microsoft AI, and the Google AI. And all of them are being trained by the public right now. And there's no oversight whatsoever. So imagine AI in control of some of the most sophisticated systems on the planet, and it's been trained by your arch enemy. Because AI's danger is not the AI itself or AI becoming sentient. It's who programs it. How is it taught? Mm -hmm. Because you have to teach it. And I'm, I'm dealing with AI right now. And believe it or not, some of the biggest AI companies in the world are not here in the US. They're in China. And they're being... Funded, run, and supported by the Chinese Communist Party. Think about how dangerous that is that you train an AI, especially a healthcare AI that's controlling a scan, reading a scan.
0: Yeah, so how how are they using AI, whether it's through their social media platforms or via other means, how are they using AI to work with our data to manipulate us? How are they social engineering us with AI?
1: So they're doing it a number of ways. The first way is AI is creating story and chat in social media. So it's able to create stories, take inputs, create stories that look real, that aren't. Number two, within Twitter, one of the pieces of AI that they use in Twitter was they would release a story and then the AI would generate a conversation that looked like it was between five or six people, but it was all AI. And it was people posting things as comments that would go along with that story to support that narrative. Thanks, so that Darpa. You're, seeing, you're seeing it there too. But here's the really insidious part of this. The insidious part of this is you're seeing AI that's programming health information for people. That's why they're going after personal health information that either is detriment detrimental to somebody's health Or number two, writing prescriptions that are either over or under what people need. Think about that for a second. An AI that's biased that writes a heart medicine that's either not enough or too much. Because some of the medicine, some of the prescriptions out there are just as toxic to your system if they're overprescribed or they're not effective at all if they're underprescribed. And think about that because they're using AI for doing prescriptions, writing prescriptions, measuring drugs. There's a whole host of applications that AI is being used for right now that's supposedly more effective than having a human do it or having some kind of a machine do it. There's, They're rolling it out across the full spectrum.
0: Oh, man. I just saw the other day that, that there's this... New news network completely ran by AI. The videos and anchors are all AI. The scripts that are written are all AI. There, there was a account for it on Twitter that I saw some pro- posts from. It's a completely AI news network from the video production to the scripts. To everything, everything's mm-hmm. AI.
1: And last year, remember, a year before, we 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 uh, were we were informed through a variety of sources that deep fakes now and AI generated not only pictures but ai generated videos are so sophisticated that you can't tell if it's real or not yeah how so many dudes you're...
0: are subscribing to only fans accounts and it's not even a real person <laughs> and, and think about it this way you can have an
1: entire news cycle that's completely fictitious and and it looks real and nobody would be able to tell the difference yeah but that's that's how they're using it right now for for programming the public and most again most people don't go more than one layer deep for any kind of a story they get a 16 or 20 second video video clip or a soundbite and they're off to the races with their belief system
0: yeah as long as it confirms their preconceived notions and their confirmation biases they'll automatically believe it so when you're describing these ai bots having you know looking like five or six people and having conversations with itself essentially and then that leads somebody reading those comments to believe, wow, there's a lot of people that believe this, so they're going to be more inclined to believe the thing. And man, when I look at specifically Telegram and Twitter, those two platforms, good God, I don't know what percentage of comments I see on there that are AI, but I guarantee you they're flooding all kinds of conspiracy clickbait crap onto those two platforms and shoot 80% of the people that... Uh, 80% of the comments or the likes or the engagement is probably fake. It's probably AI. And you get some of these podcasters who get thousands of likes, hundreds of thousands of video views, a lot of that probably fake. So it's, It is
1: because they yeah. want to prop up the platforms they know they can manipulate and control. 100%. And it's not just Telegram and and uh, Twitter. It's Telegram, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, oh yeah i'm
0: just i'm just not on instagram or facebook so i don't know what it's like on there these days i'm just saying telegram and all ai
1: with those all ai yeah and it's only going to get worse so what i tell people is disconnect from the technology as much as possible and work on your sphere of influence which is you know the the Everybody has a close group of friends, right? So you start with the people you trust, and then you add people to your sphere of influence that you know your friends trust and can count on. Because what you're really doing is you're increasing your your line of sight through the people you know you can trust and people that are not easily, you know, manipulated by the the social media, the the news, and some of the other external influences on people's decision cycle. Because when this, let's assume this all happens within six months, like Event 201. It's gonna come down to the neighborhood or community level. It's gonna get tribal quick. And you're gonna want people around you that are not only trustworthy, but people you could count off that have skills to do things. How many people do you know in your sphere of influence right now that don't know how to do anything? Hmm. They can't even change a tire on their car. That's all because people have been dumbed down over the last 20 years or this event. People don't know how to do anything right now. So I say all the time on uh, on my sit rep, because after November 8th last year, I stopped paying attention to politics. I stopped talking to politicians and I started paying attention to how do I get people prepared for the absolute worst scenario? And do I think it's going to get that bad? No. But if you're prepared for the worst and you're 80% ready, a hundred percent of the time, then you won't be freaked out when it happens you'll just go to work and that's what needs that's what people need to be doing right now is preparing for the worst and assuming it's coming because the other piece that's going to be unleashed at the same time the cyber attack is unleashed is they're going to put all of these military-age male military-age males into police uniforms into military uniforms into private security uniforms and they're going to try and take control of the big cities to maintain order and I can tell you that that's not going to go well for them because there's a lot of people. This is how this is going to go. And I'll just cut the brass tacks. If let's say the worst scenario happens, they take everything offline all at once. The, the power, water, logistics, they take it all offline. The guns are going to come out probably after about 48 hours. Probably the first 24 hours will be disorientation. And then after 48 hours, the hate and discontent will build up by day three. You hear a foreign language, bullet to the head. You see tattoos on the neck, bullet to the head. You see a bunch of a bunch of military yay guys walking around a neighborhood that you don't know, bullet to the head. That's literally how this is going to go. And I'm not being facetious when I say that. I just know that when this this kind of thing happened in Iraq, it got down to the tribal level, and anybody they didn't know got a bullet. And that's how this will go if that's if that's the way they want to play it. I mean, the piece that I can't reconcile right now. And put it to a coherent thought is why are all the elite building bunkers? Do they honestly think they're going to go underground and ride out the storm and come out and everything's going to be rosy? Because if they let things go to that level, you're going to have entire communities that are going to be banding together. And then you're going to have all these other foreigners out there and it's going to be a bloodbath for a while.
0: So you better time. know who your neighbors are? have some connections in your direct vicinity, and if shit hits the fan, get out of the big cities. Yeah. They'll if, be the, if shit hits the fan, get out of the big cities. If city. they
1: let it go that that far. I don't think they will because they they need to maintain control. There'd if be too much it,
0: blowback, too
1: much chaos. Well, there'd be too many armed Americans with a personal vendetta against people that made it happen. Yeah. I mean, because it here's the other thing that happens when you get into a situation like that. It gets very personal very quickly. And I saw that graphically in Iraq too. Like chief of police, you know, the chief of police in, in Mosul, he was he was doing political political hits on people. And when the police force walked off the job, guess what happened to him that night? He got thrown in the trunk of a car and carted it off never never to be seen again. That's how that game's played. So I don't see him I don't see him going down that route because it's too detrimental. And the other piece of it is is that it's the the society's guardrails will come you know basically will be broken and there won't be a way to restore.
0: They need just enough chaos they can manage but not too much chaos that ends up on their doorstep. That's right. That's exactly yep. right. Yep. All right man. I greatly appreciate you taking the time here with me today to have this conversation. What's so you said you do a sit rep every Wednesday night. What time and what's the name of your Rumble channel?
1: Rumble channel is the same as my Telegram, my um, my uh, uh, True Social. It's all Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Murray, and you can find uh, you can find me. Uh, it's at uh, at LTC underscore Stephen underscore M U R on Twitter. But I do Rumble Mondays and Wednesdays. We do a roundtable every Wednesday at at uh, 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. It's uh, myself and another Lieutenant Colonel from the Intel world, as well as, um, one of my, um, close friends, his name's Troop. He's a, uh, best way to say he's a threat analyst. He's also a emergency management specialist. He's actually an expert at it. So we talk through a lot of these scenarios every single week and, and I'll give you a standing invitation that if you can jump on that call, I'll send you the, I will send you the, the invite every week. And you can jump on that call. We usually go for about an hour, hour and a half, um, there's usually about a thousand people that, that sit in the audience below throw all kinds of questions at us. So it's, it's usually a, a pretty good time.
0: I don't know if I can make it tomorrow, but I can definitely make it next week. I'll all let right, you no.
1: know. Yeah, I'm down, man. I'll just give you an open invitation because I think, like I said, your perspective would be good because you've, you've been, by the way, I finally saw above majestic.
0: Oh, fuck. <laughs> above fricking majestic son of a bitch. Don't remind me of that. I mean, I, ha- I have a little bit of uh f- fondness or pride or I'm I'm a little bit okay with that experience but a lot of it I'm like ah, shit I wish I could redo it
1: you know just taking a stride move forward call it living you learn just-
0: man but they were great experiences and I learned how to identify bullshitters even better after that experience so that's right if you need a good bullshit identifier if you need a if you need a village cynic call me
1: well, that's usually my job, right? I'm, I'm the guy that's pessimistic with a strong distrust of large bureaucratic organizations. You're the guy that has a little bit more, uh, let's just say, pessimism than me.
0: Uh, do I have more pessimism? You're, yeah, I don't know. Depends. <laughs> depends on <laughs> depends who. Depends on the topic. Depends on whose name comes up, I guess. Yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, you can find me in a bunch of ways. I I usually post. Uh, I post a lot on Twitter. I post a lot on True Social, and I post a lot on Telegram. Telegram channel is the same. Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Murray, you can find me. Um, And it's it's LTC Stephen Murray. That's the best way to find me.
0: LTC. Yeah, you know me. (laughs) All right, man. I will leave all those links below. And then everybody go follow Lieutenant Colonel Steve Murray for updates on the world. Stay informed. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming here. Anytime, brother. Anytime. I mean that. All right. Take care. Take care.